0: Here's your host, Alexander Garrett. Hey, it's Alex Garrett, and uh, welcome inside the Sunday Pod uh, edition of Keeping It Real with Alex. Uh, Keeping It Real. And, uh, you know, this week's been just crazy. We've had a war avoided, which seems to be unnoticed, or people still thinking there's a war going to happen, but I don't think so. Uh, we've had Andrew Cuomo in a state of the state of address. Uh, not address the elephant in the room which would be bail reform and of course we had in Vermont a bill that says hey if you're under 21 and you have a cell phone we're throwing you in jail and we're fining you a thousand dollars for a lot of thoughts on this I'm pretty sure my next guest has some uh Logan Albright he's the sound engineer and he's a script writer at freethepeople.org hey uh, Logan welcome to the podcast
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So I got to pick your brain about this, Logan. Uh, I see that you are a sound engineer. So what exactly does that entail? Because obviously I'm a producer in radio and I deal with sound and I also am a podcaster. So what kind of sound do you do uh, at freethepeople.org?
1: We create a wide variety of video content. It's largely educational, documentary-style videos, and I do all the sound for that. And I'm also the writer for all the scripts that we do.
0: Logan before you were with org, I noticed that you were with Freedom Works, which is a big conservative uh, think tank. Uh, observing President Trump and his impact on conservatives over the last few years, has he made the
1: party, the conservative movement stronger in your opinion? No, I wouldn't say the movement strengthened. I'd say it's sort of fragmented. Like when I started joining the movement, it was at the height of the Tea Party around like 2010, 2011, and there was really a focus on fiscal issues and kind of a narrow focus on you know not doing bank bailouts and things like that. And over time, it's sort of uh, fragmented into a variety of different issues. I'm a libertarian myself, so I fall on a, a slightly different spectrum than the conservatives. But now you have people who are focused on immigration, focused on foreign policy, focused on all these different things. And I think that it's not as coherent as it was, you know, five or ten years ago.
0: You yourself, you're a libertarian, Logan Albright. Um, do you find yourself more agreeing with President Trump's policies or disagreeing? Where Where do you fall in supporting or not supporting President Trump's uh, policies and, and his presidency?
1: Uh, from a pragmatist standpoint, he's been a pretty decent president so far. I haven't had a lot of complaints with him. I really object to the protectionist stuff he does. I think that's very bad for the economy, but other than that, like he started fewer wars than Barack Obama. I think he's been better on most things. He's shown a tendency towards restraint, which I appreciate.
0: And speaking of restraint, you know, a lot of people are missing the fact that President Trump, he waited until they killed an American, and then the Iranians killed an American contractor, and then he attacked and killed Soleimani. And by the way, uh, he was not impulsive with it. He was actually quite restrained up until... He had to act and he did. Would you agree with that? And and why hasn't it gone uh, noticed as much the fact that he did wait as long as he did?
1: We don't know exactly what happens. Like uh, the, the president and the vice president say that Soleimani was planning an imminent attack that would kill hundreds of Americans and that they prevented that, which could have easily escalated into a war. Um, If that's true, then I think that's great. Uh, Other people are saying that that's not true, but I really don't know because I don't know what actually happened. I don't generally love the idea of our government going around and murdering people around the world, but if you can do it uh, a single targeted assassination to prevent a war, I think that's great.
0: And, Logan, you know, I don't know if seeing classified information or having it leaked out to the press would have been ideal, but if indeed uh, Soleimani was planning attacks then that just seems justified to kill him before he acted out those attacks. Wouldn't you agree?
1: If that's the case, I agree, yeah.
0: Logan, you've been writing a lot about what you're seeing in this time in your new book, Our Servants, Our Masters. And uh, I want to get into that in a second. But thank you, Stephen Kent from Young Voices, for um, introducing Logan and I to the podcast. Obviously, uh, Logan, I know that you, through freethepeople.org, and Young Voices, you've collaborated a bit, right? So tell us about that and about your book.
1: Yeah, we've done a lot of really interesting projects with Young Voices. I love working with those guys. They have such smart, like, cutting-edge young people who are in the movement, who are doing fantastic work promoting uh, things on, on media, on television. And we've done a lot of great video projects with them. We've done music videos. We've done documentaries. So it's a pleasure to work with them. And it's I, I also am very grateful to Stephen for recommending me to you. And yeah, I have a book out called Our Servants, Our Masters, which is uh, urging people to take a look at the terms we use to talk about politics, particularly the term public servant, which I think is a misnomer in most cases, where people who are referring to themselves as public servants are actually more interested in controlling behavior than in serving the people. Would you
0: mind uh, getting into it a little more deeper, uh, controlling the people? What, what exactly are you discussing in the book, and, and people, what can people look forward to
1: Sure. So the book is broken down into several sections looking at various institutions in society. I have one section on education, a section on medicine, a section on government – And basically, I want to look at this idea that, you know, we think of the president says, I'm serving the country. I'm serving a second term. Congressmen say that they're servants of the public. They're supposed to represent our interests. Uh, We think of teachers and and principals as public servants. We think of doctors as public servants. But in all of these cases, these are people who have power over us. And I think it's very telling if you look at like the language we use to interact with them. I like to ask people, have you ever lied to a teacher? Have you ever lied to a doctor? Have Mm -hmm. you ever lied to a policeman? You know, the answer in most cases is yes. And the question is, why would you lie to someone who's working for you? You don't lie to someone that you hire to do a job for you. They're expected to do their job. And if they don't, you fire them and get someone else. But you you tend to lie to people who are in authority over you because you're worried about getting in trouble because they have power over you. You talk about those in
0: your book who are in for a rude awakening. And I think that's kind of interesting because obviously people who like to talk back, to their superiors, to authorities, they are in for a rude awakening, are they not?
1: I was inspired by George Orwell's looking at the way that people use language and the way that language determines thoughts to a certain extent. You know, if you read 1984, he's got his whole concept of newspeak where the government has eliminated certain terms for the language in order to kind of restrict the thoughts of the public. And I think that's a little bit what we see going on, where if, we, if we're regarding this hierarchy as upside down, if we think we're in charge when, in fact, we're not in charge, uh, I think it leads us to be less vigilant in safeguarding our liberties for the people who want to take it away from us.
0: Well, you know, two of the biggest liberties that uh, seemingly are under assault, if you are a conservative, uh, and maybe some moderate Dems, are the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms,
1: and the First Amendment. So speak to those a little bit. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> The, the whole uh, push for you know, hate speech laws and things like that is very troubling from freedom of speech standpoint. You have the, you know, the thing Jordan Peterson has been dealing with in Canada with the gender pronoun mandates. Um, and then absolutely the Second Amendment has been under continual assault for as long as I've been following the issue.
0: So Logan Albright, uh, how can people combat these assaults on them? What do you suggest and what, what is your goal
1: in the book? So the, the goal of this book is just to get people to kind of rethink about how they, how they conceptualize society and realize that the people who they think are working for them are actually trying to control them. And once we have that as a, a strongly held tenet that people can agree on, then we can go about trying to change it and trying to reverse it.
0: Well, you know, it seems to me that the, lib- the conservatives know that their freedoms are being under assault. The liberals may not have that mindset. So what do you think? How can minds be changed and how do you hope to change minds through your book, Our Servants, Our Masters?
1: It's an interesting question. and I think that's one of the benefits of Trump is that he's making liberals realize that they should have a distrust of authority once again. Because when Barack Obama was in power, they said, yes, do whatever the government tells you. It's fine. They know best. Let them be in charge. And now that they have someone that they hate so much in charge, they're like, wait a minute. Maybe we shouldn't give this guy all the power in the world. It's a cognitive dissonance that I don't know how so many people are able to hold. You would think that they would realize, oh, our guy's not going to be in charge forever. We want to limit the power of this executive. We want to limit the power of this government. But a lot of people seem to be able to hold those two contradictory opinions at the same time. I don't know.
0: So, you know, you talk about limiting powers of the president. That's exactly what the House is attempting to do with this War uh, power res- resolution, War Powers Resolution, which I don't think will get past
1: the Senate. But didn't they try something like this under President Bush? They may have tried to. The war movement was very strong under Bush, which is a shame. It's kind of disappeared under Obama. It's starting to reemerge a little bit under Trump, which is kind of ironic considering Trump has been much less warlike than Obama. But you at least had a robust anti-war movement under Bush. But you know that being put aside, the Congress has continually abdicated its responsibilities. The Constitution says that Congress has the responsibility of declaring wars and authorizing military actions, and they haven't been doing it. They've just been delegating to the executive branch for a long time, pretty much since the Second World War, and I really think that it's time for them to kind of reclaim their authority on that so we have a more deliberative, thoughtful approach to foreign policy.
0: Well, you know, I happen to be on a uh, military base. Um, Friday night with Ray Negron at Fort Hamilton, and thanks to uh, all the cast, and thanks to Fort Hamilton and the Major General for us, welcoming us all onto the base to perform uh Ray Negron story. But you know, Logan, I was thinking, when Obama got bin Laden, the Navy SEALs really were applauded for going in and killing him. Well, why wasn't our military now uh, cheered for taking out Suleimani. I mean, wasn't it, isn't it the same principle there that they got
1: a terrorist? You see this difference in reporting between the Obama administration, and the Trump administration, the, the, I was looking at articles about it the other day and every article is, is calling the president a liar and saying that this was a terrible thing that he did. And they would have been praising Obama for doing the exact same thing. There's definitely a double standard because the media is all on the left. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that it's great what we're doing in over there, but I think, you know, I agree with you about the military. The way, the best way to honor them and to protect them, I think, is to get them out of harm's sure. way. They don't need to be. I'd love to see these guys come home and be with their families sure. and live their own lives instead of being shot at for reasons that remain murky to me.
0: Logan, you and I seem to be fans of this president and his policies, but let's talk about Syria because obviously that was one of the first big announcements. We're gonna take all our troops out and uh and then it didn't happen. And it just seemed like a bungled effort there to try and get our guys out of Syria. What happened with that?
1: Yeah, it's all been bungled. I mean, the Syria thing under Obama was, uh, just large public pushback and, and Congress actually standing up and doing its job for once. That's kind of why that didn't end up happening, which is great. But, uh, overall, people are just way too content to let these things go on. And it's not, you know, not even the president's not really even in charge of these things anymore. You have these, I know I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but you do have these deep state kind of generals and behind the scenes people working to ensure that these interests are, are maintained and, and they're in the pocket of Lockheed Martin and Boeing and all these other people sure. and they want to contain these wars and really the people have no say in it. And even the president doesn't have as much of a say in it as he should. Do you
0: cover the media and its role it plays or it's possible danger to the American citizen in your book?
1: Well, It's hard to talk about the media as a monolith that way because, like, I I think that a lot of the mainstream reporters do put out a lot of misinformation and people believe it as fact. But I don't want to just condemn the the entire media as dangerous because the media is – you're part of the media. I'm part of the media. Everybody who has a website is part of the media. So I think it's good that we have this diversity of voices and we are all free to speak our minds. Um, I do cover a little bit the media, more so I cover the professional like advisory economics class that is making the recommendations for policies that then become laws that affect all of us. That's covered heavily in the book. There's a whole school of behavioral economics now, which is basically trying to subtly manipulate people into behaving the way the government wants them to behave. And that's really scary to me because I think that's completely opposite of what the role of of public advisors or economists should be. And you know, to be honest with you, it seems that if you were not, in lockstep
0: with what the media believes, what the Democrats believe, and you are a minority, you won't get included in the Women's March. You won't get included in the Black Lives Matter movement because you simply disagree with one or two things that they stand for. And
1: that doesn't seem inclusive to me. Does it to you, Logan? That's a great point because the left is constantly saying they care about minority rights, but the best way to protect minorities is to have a pluralistic uh free, open discussion, open dialogue, open society where everybody's allowed to express their point of view. Everybody's allowed to have their live their life the way they want to live their life and not be told. And yet the left wants to have this monolithic uh, dictate of how you have to live your life, what you have to believe, what you have to think, how you have to talk, uh, the language you have to use, everything. And that's such an impediment to minority rights. You would think that it's such a a, a cognitive dissonance where – they claim to care about minorities, but the actions they take are anti-minority. And I'm talking about all kinds of minorities now, not just racial and ethnic minorities or genders, but everything. You know, Every kind of viewpoint you have that's a minority viewpoint should be protected.
0: Well, I'm talking with Logan Albright, and uh, he is at the freethepeople.org website. He is a scriptwriter and sound engineer, which is pretty awesome. Logan, we're talking on Skype today, and I don't know if you could tell on your little screen there, but I roll a blade around New York on one leg, that's kind of my profile picture on Skype. Um, but I feel that because I'm disabled, and though I don't really feel it, I'm identified as that because I'm missing a leg, uh, I am told I can't support President Trump. I'm told I can't support the Republicans. And I just feel like that's not the way to game people into your party by saying, oh, you're this way, so you have to believe a certain way. No, I'm my own person and I can believe however way I want.
1: Yeah, it's a collective ideology because of some feature about you, whether it's your race or your gender or your disability or whatever, you have to vote for this group of people. No, we're all individuals. We should all be able to support whoever we want for whatever reason. Maybe you're a single issue voter. Maybe you have a wide spectrum of issues you care about, but it's up to you how to cast your vote. And the idea that you should be forced to vote for one party or the other because of some external characteristic that you can't change is ridiculous, and it's very anti-individualistic.
0: Now, I didn't cover this uh, while we're on the subject of being disabled and, and living life as a disabled person. Didn't cover this during the week, but there was a tete a whatever you say, between Tammy Duckworth and Doug Collins. Uh, Representative Collins of Georgia said in the heat of the moment, you know, Democrats love terrorists. And Tammy Duckworth, who lost both her limbs in Iraq, uh, Logan, said, well, I'm not going to dignify that statement. I lost my two limbs in in Iraq, and that should say enough, and I don't love terrorists, and you know, we shouldn't listen to voices of Pelosi and Schumer, we should listen to
1: moderate Dems like Tammy Duckworth, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. People like Kelsey Gabbard who have seen combat and who know what they're talking about. We should be listening to them. And yeah, I I think it's completely unfair to say that Democrats love terrorists. I think Democrats have an instinct to side with the underdog, which is not always beneficial because sometimes the underdog is bad people. But I don't think that Democrats love terrorists. That's clearly not true. Not only do Democrats not
0: love terrorists, people seem seem to be forgetting they voted for wars like the Iraq War uh, and they voted for – our military to go into combat. So to say that they're anti-war now is, is kinda hypocritical,
1: isn't it? Yeah, the Democratic Party is not anti-war. They say that it's like the Republican Party saying that they're pro uh small government, you know? It's a lie that they tell to try to get votes. They're the Democratic Party loves war as much as the Republican Party does. The Republican Party loves spending as much as the Democratic Party does. They're basically the same party at this point, I think. Uh, the only person running who I think is legitimately anti-war is Tulsi Gabbard. And although her economic policies are socialist and I wouldn't vote for her, I appreciate that she's out there trying to spread that message. Talking with Logan
0: Albright of freethepeople.org. Logan, you know, I created this Sunday pod because we have to have a platform for younger voices. The the Pelosi's, the Schiff's, the Schumer's, the McConnell's uh, all go on the Sunday shows, but you never hear the likes of Stephen Kent. You never hear uh, of Young Voices and you never hear the likes of Logan Albright. On the Sunday shows, and I feel like that's what's missing in the conversation to move us forward. Young voices are missing from the conversation.
1: Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about what people think these days. There's this whole idea that the the youth has completely embraced socialism and are all on board with that, and that's not my experience. I think there's a lot of young people who really recognize the benefits in free markets and free societies and uh you know they need to be heard They need to be able to uh, express themselves and not be shut down as being a traitor to their generation or whatever
0: and speaking of generation you know uh, last weekend there were all these anti-war protests and i wasn't around in the 60s but i felt like i was watching headlines that we would see during the vietnam era but this is completely
1: different this killing of soleimani is completely different than vietnam wouldn't you agree yeah, it's interesting when you look back at the 60s because there was a very, uh, left-wing distrust of government because you had the conservatives in power at that point in time. And there was a very healthy distrust of government power from the left and they were, you saw it represented in all the protests and at some point it went away and now the left is just wants to do whatever the government wants them to do. And you're starting to see it reemerge a little bit because they hate Donald Trump's personality so much, just from a personality standpoint. Uh, I'd be glad to see the left rediscover their distrusted government, even if it takes uh, someone like Trump to do it.
0: Logan, I know that you are identifying as someone who is anti-progressive. So when you hear Governor Andrew Cuomo say, oh, you know, this progressive government we have in New York State is going to move us forward. Uh, why does it feel like the progressive movement's actually regressing us, but the Democratic leadership is so delusional in their head that they believe it, that the progressive movement is actually moving us forward when they don't want to admit it's not.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's partially the name, you know, the name progress is baked into the word progressive. So it goes back to my point about the language we use. But, um, I you know, I, was, I watched a very interesting video the other day about how the left has this kind of idealized utopia in their head about what they think society should be. And they're always trying to move us towards that utopia and then regard any failure to get there as a, as a disappointment. And so that's why there's so much cynicism and bitterness and nihilism on the left. Whereas the right tends to uh, look at the past and say, Hey, we're doing better than we were yesterday. We're making progress. We're doing well. So I think that might be some of it. They are like, we want to, we want to lift up society towards this lofty ideal that we have in our head, even though it's not really attainable and we're never going to actually get there. Whereas I think a much more healthy attitude is to say, Hey, We've improved on where we were a year ago or two years ago or five years ago.
0: Hey, Logan, so speaking of policies, let's focus on President Trump's for a minute. From his inauguration till now, and because he's running for re-election, let's evaluate his policies for a minute. Are you still a fan of his policies, and and are they benefiting America? What's your take on that side? Because obviously everybody talks about his character, but no one really does talk about his policies.
1: He's showing some restraint, which his predecessors didn't, which I appreciate, but like the things that the left are criticizing him about the immigration policy, things like that, um, those are pretty much identical to what Obama did. Um, he's, he's less hawkish than Obama was and people are criticizing him for being too hawkish where they didn't criticize Obama about that. The main uh, difference I have with him in my opinion is his uh, protectionist economic policies, which I think are really bad. But apart from that, he's doing okay. So it
0: sounds to me that you don't really agree with the tariffs that he's put on China because, or the tariff war. So how do we, Solve the issue of China stealing our intellectual property, bullying us around. How do we come combat China if not through tariffs?
1: Well, I think there's a uh, difference between trade with the government and trade with the people. So, like, I don't want to stop ordinary citizens from trading with ordinary citizens of China because I don't want to punish the Chinese people, and I don't want to punish the American people. Um, you make a good point about the Chinese government being so repressive and violating human rights and things like that. And I think that we should be cautious and restrained in dealing with the Chinese government and giving them anything. We should be clear that we're not going to tolerate the kind of behavior that they put in. But I don't think that's a reason to uh, punish the individual manufacturers, the individual business people who are trying to trade goods across borders. Like I I was a supporter of NAFTA. I liked that the – that we were able to trade freely with Canada and uh, Mexico, and Trump said he was going to redo it and do something better. And I was like, well, NAFTA is pretty good. I'm I'm skeptical of that, but it seems like we're still trading pretty freely with Canada and Mexico. So it's working out. We're just going to have to see what he does.
0: While we're on NAFTA and the USMCA, that, that day when they voted to impeach Trump, they approved and made a deal with him on the USMCA. So Logan Albright, they wanted to impeach him, yet make a deal with him. It was one of the most bizarre days I've seen in following the few years of politics in Washington. That was a bizarre day.
1: Well, it seems obvious that the impeachment proceedings are just a a show to try to appease the Democratic voters. Like they're not actually going to remove him from office. Um, The Senate's never going to uh, convict him. And uh, the fact that Pelosi hasn't sent over the the articles to the Senate yet Mm -hmm. shows it's serious. If they actually wanted to be serious about it. They would send it over, but they're playing games. And I think that's clear to anyone who's paying attention.
0: And honestly, if you're a man or woman of faith, to hear the Democrats say, we're prayerfully considering impeachment. We are solemn about this. That's almost like a slap in the face to the faith-based community. It's a slap in the face to those who truly believe in in solemnity and in faithful, in God, because we can all see right through the Democrats' ruse of, solemn when they're trying to rush this thing through
1: no no it's all it's all for show and like, the longer you live in washington the more you realize that everything is for show it's all games it's not sincere and this is going back to my point in my book again is that these people are not here to look out for your interests or to try to represent you they're in it for themselves they're looking out for number one and they're trying to uh, tell you how to live your life and so you should we should all be very skeptical of anything that comes out of washington and be very on guard that we don't let them uh, railroad us and take away our freedoms.
0: And it's not only Washington railroading us. uh, Individual states can try
1: and take away your own liberties in your own state you live in. Absolutely. You were mentioning earlier this new bill that they're trying to take away cell phones from anyone under 21 years old. Like That's that's crazy to me. Um, the, The language of the bill I was just reading before we got on, and it says... Uh, the internet, the cell phones access the internet, and the internet is used to radicalize people and train terrorists. Like that's such a crazy way to to summarize the internet. You could say the same thing about books. You can say we can't have access to books because books are used to radicalize people. It's just information. The fact that they're trying to do something like that is crazy to me. And from what I
0: read, uh, Logan, it's more than just uh, taking away. They're going to throw you in jail and fine you a thousand dollars if you happen to be under twenty one having a cell phone in your hand
1: pretty nuts yeah we need to decide like at what point someone becomes an adult and just make that the age for everything because this whole like you can go to war and die in iraq but you can't smoke a cigarette or you can't drink alcohol uh you can vote but you can't uh drive a rental car like this is this doesn't make any sense we need to just decide what age you're an adult and then everything becomes legal once you're an adult you know logan albright of freethepeople.org there's a senator from Vermont,
0: uh, who's apparently running for president, and he hasn't said one word about this bill. Uh, what's your reaction to that?
1: Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, uh, you know, Bernie's a Marxist, Bernie's a socialist, and, uh, he admires places like Cuba and the Soviet Union, and he, he says as much, and if you, You know, look at those places and what's happened and seeing, you know, what's what's going on with those policies that he wants to implement in the United States. I think that's all you have to do to see the problem with his theories. And with Joe Biden being a mess and the Iowa
0: caucus just a couple weeks away, it is kind of funny to see the Democratic Party in disarray just weeks before Iowa, isn't it?
1: I'd be very surprised if any of them can beat Trump. And yeah, Biden seems to be losing his mind day by day. So I'd be surprised if he, get, I don't know who's going to get the nomination at this point. Maybe Elizabeth Warren, but uh, I don't think any of them can beat Trump as things stand right now. It's going to be a circus and it's going to be entertaining to see what happens.
0: Talking with Logan Albright of Uh Logan, as we're talking here, I'm just thinking, you know, the local politics aspect of all this is dissipating and if we stop reporting, if media outlets stop reporting on the local news, that could be very harmful to citizens who are just trying to get by every day, right? Day by day. We need to stress the importance of local politics.
1: Local politics is where everybody should be focused because everybody has this delusional idea that we're going to take the presidency. You know, we're going to run our guy and he's going to become president. And it's just, it costs too much money, it's too difficult. But anybody can run for local office like you can become a dog catcher or something in your local town a city council member, a board member of the Board of Education or something and make a real difference in your own town. And that's those are the people that end up going through the process and becoming United States congressmen, United States senators and eventually presidents. But if you shoot for the top right away, you're never going to make it. But if we, we have a real ability right now to populate the very lowest levels of local government with people who share our ideals and want to limit the power of government and really can make a difference. and Almost anybody can do it. So I think we totally should focus on local government.
0: And I was part of the New York State Reform Party, Logan, and uh, that has since been disbanded or it's it's still rolling but not on the ballot. Anyway, I noticed how unfair it is that we have one party running things in Albany and New York State democratic control we need a fairer system to make sure everybody's voice is heard
1: yeah i know and there's there's lots of uh, conservatives in california there's lots of conservatives in in new york in the like upstate portion of it um but the way our system is set up because there's a majority in the cities you there's people really don't have a voice and it's kind of a shame because i know that there's lots of conservatives out there in otherwise blue states would like to have their voices heard
0: Logan that Logan Albright, that's why I wanted you on, because I wanted your voice heard. you got a great mindset. You're libertarian. You are common sense, and we need more of that. So thanks so much for coming to The Sunday Pod with coming on The Sunday Pod with me. And please do come back soon. We'd love to have you back. Thank you so much for having
1: me. I appreciate it.
0: I'm Alexander Garrett. This has been The Sunday Pod. Talk to you soon.